Welcome to Glendale Christian Church. My name is Andrew Kirshner. I'm the lead minister here at GCC, and I'm so grateful to see so many of you worshiping with us in person, and I'm grateful for everybody watching online via our YouTube and Facebook channel as well. It's good to worship the Lord together, for worship is a very essential part of our discipleship. And here at Glendale, we are all about discipleship. Discipleship is what we strive for. Discipleship is what we want to accomplish. Our mission at Glendale is to make disciples. Our vision is to become father-willed, Christ-compelled, and spirit-led. We want to do this because God has done so much for us. The all-knowing, all-powerful, all-good, eternal, necessary, triune master of heaven and earth created us in his image. But we sinned rebelled against him, and were separated from him. And the story of the Bible is the story of God pulling his people back to himself. The ultimate culmination of winning us back to himself was when God the Father sent God the Son to live a perfect and sinless life amongst us. He died on the cross on our behalf. We should have been the ones punished for our sins, but Jesus died on the cross for our sins and was raised from the dead for our justification. And we who place our faith in this good news are filled with the Holy Spirit, and we are able to live more and more Christ-like lives. God works in our lives through his very presence, through his prescriptive word, and through his people. And one of the things that God the Son told us to do was to make disciples. He exampled making disciples. And discipleship is the process that involves three aspects. Invitation, transformation, and reduplication. All of us at one time were invited to follow the Lord Jesus, either by his presence, by his word, or by his people. And once we accepted that invitation, the process of transformation began. Transformation involves God changing our minds, our trust, and even our obedience as he works in our heads, our hearts, and our hands. We grow in the knowledge of God. We develop a trust for God, and then we express loving obedience for God, head, heart, and hands. And as this transformation continues, we seek to reduplicate the process by not only inviting others, but helping to invest in their transformation. For God will work using his presence, his word, and his people. And God can use us to help transform those who have accepted the invitation. Yes, Glendale is all about discipleship, and that means we don't have a series of core values that we've just invented. We want to value what God values. And when it comes to discipleship, there are seven primary things that God values, and this series has been talking about them. We've talked a few weeks ago about how God values my knowledge, and last week about how God values my worship. Today, we will discuss how God values my service. Now, just because the word my is big behind me does not mean that this is a self-centered thing at all. No, 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 far from it. Instead, this means that each and every single Christian worldwide should be able to take personal accountability for the knowledge that they're responsible for, for the worship that they ought to give to God and for the service they need to render unto him. Every Christian should be able to say, God values my service. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to open them up to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. You can find it on your phone or you can follow along in the screens behind me. But I wanted to share with you a passage of scripture that talks 
extensively about God valuing our service. And this passage, I believe, will be a blessing to us as we dissect and understand what God is trying to tell us and how we can appropriately respond to God's word. Let us go to the text, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. God values my service. This passage indicates that God values our service because service is what we were equipped and prepared to do. And what we recognize is that Jesus himself established leadership positions to equip his church for works of service. That's the point for leadership, to prepare his people, the church, the body of Christ, for works of service. And the four categories that are listed here are apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastor teachers. The apostles were the group of the 13 men who were eyewitnesses of the Lord Jesus and of his resurrection and were called specifically and given authority to teach and to create doctrine from the church as God inspired them. And the office of apostle is no longer operative, for in order to be an apostle, one has to be an eyewitness of the Lord Jesus, and that was too long ago for anyone alive right now. The next group was prophets. And again, prophets are not merely those in Old Testament style whom would often predict the future, but a prophet is one who can also foretell but also foretell the message of God. A prophet is someone who passionately proclaims the truth and the word of God, and God used prophets to establish the beginning of the church. The next is evangelists. Evangelists are very much in play today, and in fact, the way that you might think about the term evangelist here is someone like a missionary. In fact, the Latin prefix for the word miss, missionary, missile, Anything like that has to do with sending. And so in war, we might send a weapon to someone else, a missile. And in ministry, we might send someone who needs to proclaim the truth of the Lord Jesus to those who need to hear it. All of us need to be evangelists, but there are certain people equipped with the gift of evangelism, and they will very much go forward and explain the gospel to people and proclaim his word. And yet every single Christian in this room and in the world must grow in evangelism, for we are all being prepared to do the good works for which God calls us. This last group is the pastor teachers, and they are not two separate groups. They're one group because pastors are to teach, pastor, teacher. So the pastor or 
overseer or elder or bishop, these words are interchangeable in the New Testament, is someone who has spiritual oversight of the church. As the apostles helped lay the foundation of the church with Jesus Christ as the very cornerstone, the apostles, by time Acts 15 rolled around, gave way in authority being above everyone else in church to having equal authority with the elders, the pastors, the bishops of the church. And of course, one of the primary responsibilities of the pastors is to be able to teach. And today, there are pastors around the world, and we have pastors right here in this church who teach and oversee the spiritual health of this congregation. They are our elders. And they have, in their wisdom, seen fit to invite certain other people, myself and the rest of the staff, to join them in the task that God set before them. And so we have a job to do. God himself, God the Son, established these leadership positions to equip his church for acts of service so that the church will grow, so that the church will grow. The church is supposed to grow, and the language of growth here is very much analogous to physical growth. Just as a young body grows and develops and gets bigger and stronger, so too the church must grow bigger and stronger. We need to add new members through evangelism and conversion. I do not want GCC to grow merely by other Christians coming to join us, though I know other Christians will want to come and join us because we proclaim the gospel boldly. We proclaim the gospel and we explain that we will not deviate. We will be radical, countercultural followers of Jesus who stand boldly even if the world presses back against us. This will be enthralling for people who are receiving a watered-down version of the gospel. I don't want this church merely to grow because of our preaching to other Christians. And I don't want this church just to grow because of the excellent musical performances that we deliver that help us inspire our own hearts and minds to worship God better. We worship God through music here, and we have different styles of music that we use to worship God, and there are many Christians who want to experience that with us. Good. We won't turn anyone away, but I want Glendale Christian Church to go through conversion to grow through evangelism. And that means we must all be equipped to do the good work of service of sharing the gospel with everyone around us. We have to know the gospel. We have to be able to explain the gospel and even defend the gospel when people press back against it. It is our job to develop these skills so that we can share the truth that has so changed us with others so that they too may experience God's amazing saving grace in their lives. But we will not grow just through conversion. We will also grow stronger, those of us who already believe. We have to grow spiritually as we come to know God and his word in deeper ways. We have to continue to pour into his word through exegetical preaching, through sermons and topics and series that delve deep into the truth of God's word. We must grow stronger because the world is growing more antagonistic, and we must be equal to the task, and that's what it is to be equipped. To be equipped is to be prepared so that you can face the challenge that confronts you, and we pray that God would make us equal to the task before us, but mostly we pray that God would send the winds of revival and blow powerfully through this world. 
through this country, through this region, this community, and even this congregation. Helping us to grow stronger and helping us to grow by gaining new members through conversion. We need to grow. And we need to grow very specifically in unity and in maturity and in Christ-likeness. In order to grow in unity, we have to understand that unity comes in two different forms according to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. First of all is unity in faith. Unity in the faith. We're Christians, and we have to understand what Christianity is, and we have to proclaim radical, countercultural discipleship. And we have to explain what the faith truly is so that those who have not experienced it adequately, those who have seen stick figure Jesus, not the biblical portrait of Jesus, can make the right choice. Stick figure Jesus doesn't enthrall people. He doesn't allure people. He doesn't compel people. And if all we can do is draw a stick figure of Jesus with our life and with our love, then we are not doing him the service that we are called to do. Instead, we must paint the biblical portrait of who Jesus truly is so that people will know what Christianity truly is. And second, follows it right along. We have to grow in our knowledge of Christ himself. We have to grow in our knowledge of Christ himself, not merely knowing more about him, but knowing him having relationship with him. For if all we do is grow in our knowledge about the Lord Jesus, we will be puffed up and as intellectual and arrogant followers, we will not win people to him. We must know about him, but most importantly, we must know him. We must have a deep, personal, abiding relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, for this is what we were called to do. We have to be united not only in the faith and not only in our knowledge of God, but in purpose, in mission, in vision, in values, and in services. And I don't merely mean services like we have to do good works for God, but even in our services here at Glendale Christian Church. You are attending the 1045 Contemporary Service, and we have music designed specifically for that. But we also have a service at 8.30 a.m., which is filled with hymns and is a more traditional service. One of the things that I would like to see is a greater unity between our services. There's a lot of overlap through Bible studies, so go to our Bible studies. There's a lot of overlap in our small groups, so join a small group. There's a lot of overlap in service opportunities, so serve the Lord. But if we have two services, they overlap a little bit. And what I envision is that they would overlap a little bit more. I wish that they would overlap a little bit more so that we who attend this 1045 service could be benefited by the wisdom and love of those who attend the 830 service. And that those who attend the 830 service could receive the enthusiasm and wisdom and be benefited from those of us attending the 1045 service. Notice how I said we in every single one of those times because I get to go to church all day on Sunday. What are you doing on Sunday? Maybe you want to show up at 830 and not leave till noon. Give it a try sometime. Show up for the 830 service and be blessed and serve those people by getting to know them and being a great comfort to them. It will bless you. And then go to our Bible studies and then come to this service. Just as I challenged those who were attending the 830 service to stick around after Bible class so that they could experience worship with us and so that we could have even greater overlap. For overlap and unity promotes maturity. And we have to grow in maturity because it's not about you. It is not about you. It is not about me. So get out of the way. 
We all have preferences, we all have particularities, and we all have peculiarities, but it's not about us, so get out of the way. Take up your cross every single day and serve. Take up your cross every single day and share. Take up your cross every single day and grow in unity because it doesn't have to be about you. It has never been about you. It never will be about you. It has been and always will be about Jesus and our following Jesus Christ. So get out of the way and grow in Christ-likeness. Now, what was Christ like? Well, he was certainly willed by the Father, and he was certainly led by the Spirit. So we can demonstrate Christ-likeness as we grow and become Father-willed, Christ-compelled, and Spirit-led disciples of his. And as we do that, we will become a healthy church body. And a healthy church body has four primary characteristics that describe it well, and they are these. First is doctrinal discernment. Second is truth balanced with love. Third is growing Christ-likeness. And fourth is that every member is in ministry. We have to have doctrinal discernment. We need to be about truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. He is the life. He is the way. Jesus is the truth, and we will proclaim the truth of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and what Jesus continues to do in our lives through his spirit and through his word. We are all about truth. And when the world says, oh, it can't be true, we will say, yes, it is, and here's the evidence. And when, when the world says, you can't really believe that that's sin, we'll say, of course that's sin, for God said so, and that's the truth of the matter. Even if the world wants to redefine what is appropriate and what is inappropriate, we will stick to the truth, even if they press back against us. The world might say, it's unreasonable to do what you do, devote yourself to this thing. And we will say, no, it is very reasonable. It is very reasonable because compelled by Christ's love, led by the Spirit, doing the will of the Father, that's what we're for. That's what we are about, because Glendale Christian Church is all about discipleship, and we need, to be de we need to be all about the truth, and that means we have to be discerning in our doctrine. There are people who claim Christ and yet don't understand that Jesus is the divine second person of the Trinity. There are people who don't believe in the divine nature of Jesus. There are people who claim Christ and yet would say, oh, this word is not perfect. This word is not infallible. And we have to be able to discern those who would seek to water down the gospel so that they can scratch the itching ears of those who just want feel-good messages and instead discern the truth and proclaim it. And you need to do that. Because if ever I preach something that is not in the Bible or is contra to the Bible, it's your job to say, that's not right. And if I keep on doing it, fire me. Every day you must be like the Bereans who were of more noble character than the Thessalonians for they checked every day to see if what Paul said was in scripture and you need to do the same. You need to do the same. I hope that you will do more than just take my word for it. I hope that you'll see it in my actions and see it in my sermons as they are biblical and come from the word of God. We must proclaim the essential Christian doctrines and we must promote cultural relevance, never cultural tolerance. For the culture keeps slipping farther and farther away from God Almighty and it's our job to call the culture back, whether they listen or not. We are to be the moral compass of the society around us. 
And if we do that, we'll no longer be infants. We'll no longer be tossed to and fro. And it's very important that we no longer fall for the deceiving schemes of the enemy. In fact, the Greek word that describes some of this deceit is cubia, like cube, like dice, like loaded dice, like cheaters. The people who don't preach proper doctrine are cheating. They're cheating people out of eternal salvation. They're cheating people out of abundant life. They're cheating people out of living the way God wants you to live. And it is our responsibility to play with even dice. And that means proclaiming the word of God regularly, boldly, passionately, full of conviction. For if we do that, we will be able to show the world the truth. But if we're going to show the world uh, the truth, we need to balance that with love. Truth must be balanced with love. The same proportion with which we proclaim the truth is at least the minimal proportion of that which we must love. We have to love the world. God loved the world. We have to love the world. We're not in it, but he sent us to it to help bring it to him. And so we have to love the world. We have to love those that are unlovable by society. We have to love those that are being left behind because they're elderly and considered past their use. We have to love those who are not even born yet, who haven't even been given a chance. We have to love those who are considered unlovable because they're not like the way society wants them to be. No, we will love them. And we will even love those who persecute us. Jesus told us to love our enemies. And so we shall. We will love even those who are opposed to us. And by our love, they will know that we are Christians. And by our proclamation, they will know that we are Christians. And when we proclaim the truth, balanced with love, our message is winsome. So let's go winsome for the Lord. Growing in Christlikeness, that's very, very important. We have to advance in Christlikeness all the time because growing in Christlikeness is the purpose for which we're here. Christ came to do incredible works and we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works and we must do them and grow in Christlikeness, head, heart, hands. And finally, every member in ministry I can't do it alone, and neither can the rest of the ministry staff, and neither can the pastors, the elders here at the church. Every Christian needs to be in ministry. And if you are in Christ, you have an obligation to serve him out of love in ministry. We have to, because there's so much work to be done. It can no longer be the case that 80% of the stuff is done by the same 20% of people. We need to provide opportunities for more involvement. And as we grow and build a greater structure that will allow people to serve in more precise and specific ways, every member will be in ministry. God values my service. He values my service. So I will render my service, expand my service, Embrace my service. These are the three action steps for this week and for your life when it comes to service. If you know that God values your service, you must do these three things. Render your service. Let's talk about what it means to render service unto God. In Mark chapter 12, there were some people who were trying to catch Jesus and put him in a bad spot. And these people who were opposed to Jesus thought, I know what we'll do. We'll ask Jesus a real stumper of a question. And if he answers yes, one certain group of people is going to want to kill him. 
And if he answers no, another certain group of people is going to want to kill him. Here we go, boys. Let's ask Jesus. Jesus, is it right for us to pay the imperial tax? Now, the imperial tax was not just a regular tax. There were regular taxes that everybody in the Roman Empire had to give, but the imperial tax was specifically levied so that occupying Roman soldiers could be housed and barracked in your region. You were literally paying for your oppressor to oppress you. And the zealots, a group of the Jews, hated it so much that they were ready to kill anybody who would dare collect that imperial tax. And so they asked Jesus that question, thinking, we got him, boys. Because if he says, yeah, you got to pay it, then all the zealots will hate him, and this Jesus stuff will die down. And if he says no, then Rome will really hate him, and they might just kill him for us. Either way, we're getting rid of Jesus. And so they asked, is it right for us to pay the imperial tax? And Jesus said, bring me a denarius. Bring me a coin. And so somebody got a coin, and they brought it to him, and he said, whose inscription is this? Whose image is this? And they said, well, Caesar's. And Jesus said in Mark 12, 17, render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Jesus knew that if Caesar's image was on that coin, that was Caesar's coin, and they should give it back to Caesar. Just as Jesus knows that if God's image is stamped on you, you're his, and you need to give your life back to him. Now, let me build the case for how you ought to give your life to God in service. Let me start by asking, whose image is this? Not on a coin, but on you, on a human person. When you look in the mirror and you say, whose image is this? It is not merely the reflection of yourself. It is the image of God. And I know that because of Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 7, which says these words. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness. So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Every single person alive is made in the image of God, and you bear the stamp, the image of God Almighty. So give yourself back to God. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's, and you are God's, so give your life back to him. Give your life back to him in everything, every single thing you do. In fact, I know that this is God's will because of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, which says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Very specifically, God created us to do good works. We were prepared in advance to do good works in and for Jesus Christ. And because we have the image of God stamped on us, we are God's. And we need to give ourselves back to God through good works of service. Not everybody knows how they should serve, though. I remember a time when I had no idea how to serve. I just had no idea what was going on. I was 19 years old. I'd only been a Christian for a few months, and I didn't really know what to do. I tried my hand at college. It did not go well. I actually came to Missouri State here on a debate scholarship, and I didn't do well at school. Not because I wasn't good at school, but because I made the foolish choice not to study or attend, and I made the foolish choice to go do a lot of the dumb, bad stuff that I've already told you guys about before. And so I didn't really go to class or pay attention or do anything, and after one semester, I was super depressed because I knew I shouldn't live this way, and I had really bad grades, and so I dropped out of school, and I moved home to my mom's basement and I sold cars for a year. I had to get my head right. I had to get my heart right. And I had to learn how to get my hands right. 
but I didn't know what to do with my hands. I didn't know if I should be a lawyer like my mom and dad wanted or if I should go be a doctor. I ended up being a doctor, just not that kind uh, doctor. And I wasn't sure what I should do. Should I go be a teacher? What should I do? I don't know. And so I decided to go to a school that had a very particular mission. I decided to go to Ozark Christian College because Ozark Christian College in Joplin, Missouri has this as a mission statement to train men and women for Christian service. And I thought, there we go. I'll go learn what it is to serve in Christ. I'll go figure it out. And I went to Ozark Christian College with the intent of staying for a year, learning the Bible, figuring out what Christian service was, and then going and living my lawyerly life. But instead I fell in love. I fell in love with God's word. I learned about it, and I learned how to explain it and defend it. And then the next year, I fell in love with Kim Cook, who became Kim Kirshner. Bible college was really, really great for me. <laughs> I loved it. And while I was there, I figured out a great way to serve. Because after I'd gone on one single date with Kim Cook, and I don't think she was going to go on date number two, I got invited to go preach at a little tiny congregation called the Sheldon Christian Church in Sheldon, Missouri. They didn't have a minister, and they were looking for somebody to come have a shot. And so they invited me. And I called Kim, and I said, will you please go to church with me? That was a pretty safe move, not, not threatening, not, not real date-y. Go to church with me. And I'm so glad she did. Because now she's my wife, and I think she saw that I took God's stuff seriously. And I wasn't just this goofy comic book baseball nerd. I actually cared about God's stuff. And I loved this little church, and I preached for them. And they said, well, son, that was all right. Next week, make sure you're clean-shaven and wear a tie and come on back. And I said, yes, sir. And I came back for six and a half years, and it was awesome. I stayed at that little church and preached there all the way through Bible college, all the way through my first master's degree, getting married, having a child, working in the town, working in the church, and I loved it. And that church was really, really good because they took a chance on a 21-year-old who didn't know very much about the Bible at the time. He'd only had a year and a half of Bible college and was super ignorant before then, and they took a chance on me. And at the beginning, I couldn't even preach a basic three-point sermon. And by the end, I was trying all kinds of weird experimental things. I'll do a memento-style sermon in reverse, and I'll read the text in backwards, chronological. I tried a lot of dopey things, and they loved me. And what I want you to do is thank God in your prayers for the Sheldon Christian Church, because part of their Christian service was giving young men a chance and an opportunity to learn how to preach. And that's where I cut my teeth and learned how to preach, and I'm so glad that I did, because I learned you have to actually serve. You might not be perfect, nobody is. You might not be prepared, nobody's fully. You might not feel confident, everybody's got inadequacy. Serve! Do you know what it means to render your service? Serve! Serve! If you're not serving, serve. If you're already serving, keep serving. My service matters. Every one of us can say it. And if not every one of us is doing it, there's a disconnect somewhere. Serve. Render your service unto God. God values my service. So I'll render my service, and here's why. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. That's what you should do. Serve one another humbly in love. I know you're free, and so you're free to sit around. You're free just to receive. I'm telling you not to use that freedom to indulge the sinful, selfish nature, but rather to serve one another humbly in love. Use your freedom to be compelled by Christ's love, to be led by the Spirit, to do the will of the Father. That's what God wants you to do with your freedom. 
God values my service, so I'll render my service, but I will also expand my service. What does it mean to expand my service? I want you to serve more. I want you to serve more. I want you to serve more intensely, and I want you to serve more often. I want you to serve more, more intensely. So if you're already serving, good. Throw yourself into it and be intense about your service. And if you're serving, good. I want you to serve more often. I want you to do even more service than you're already doing. I want you to serve in areas of your giftedness, areas of your strength, areas that you're comfortable in serving. I want you to serve there. And then I also want you to serve in areas that put you out of your comfort zone. I want you to serve in areas you've never even thought about serving in. And you know why? Because service reveals spiritual gifts. Lots of people just want to take a spiritual gifts test and think, I'll think about these and pray about these, and then I'll know what God wants me to do. It's not always that easy. That's a really useful, helpful tool. Here's what you want to do if you want to learn what your spiritual gift is. Serve. Serve. See a need, meet that need. See a need in the kids' area and meet that need in the kids' area, and you'll know real quick, fast, and in a hurry if you are gifted for kids. See a need, meet a need. See a chair, stack a chair, and you'll know real quick if you have the gift of helps. See a need, meet a need. You see somebody who's broken down and in need of encouragement, go encourage them, and you'll find out if you've got the gift of encouragement. I know this to be true because I've read the Bible. You know Timothy, Timothy the great preacher of Ephesus who did all kinds of great work and has two books named after him because they were written to him. Paul picked him up when he was like 15 and he picked him up because he already saw he was serving well. And Paul came through and he's like, hey, that kid's doing a great job. Hey, come with me. We're going to go change the world. And he learned that he could serve in ways he never even knew. Just start serving and the gifts will become clear. The Holy Spirit's not going to let you down. He's going to reveal what you need. So serve more. Serve more often. Serve more passionately. I want you to serve the church. And one of the ways you can serve the church is by going to our church center app and clicking service. For when you click service, you will see a digital form of this physical card. And so I want everybody to fill out this physical card or the digital app and I want you to click any one of these boxes that seems interesting to you. It lists off a number of places you could serve. And if you put your name and your phone number and your email address, or you're on the app and we already have that, and you click these, then somebody from the church will call you this week and will give you more information about that and show you how you can serve in that area and see if it's the place for you. This is a good way to start. But it doesn't have everything. And so there's a whole place for other. Maybe you've got a great idea. Maybe you've got a really good idea that's not on this list. Jot it down and put it in the box in the back or in the basket in the back or at the hub. Or you can hand it to me or to Chris or you can do it on the app and we would love to know what great ideas you have for service. You know why? Because we're supposed to serve the church and we're supposed to serve the community. So let's serve the church through various ministries within the church. So, help with nursery, help with preschool, help with elementary, help with junior high, help with college age, help teach, help encourage people, help call people on the phone, help pray, help go to their homes and visit them. There's lots of ways to help. I want you to serve the church in various ministries, and then I want you to serve the community in various missions. Notice the distinction between ministry and mission. Ministry is for those who already believe. Mission is for those who don't believe yet, and I want you to go out and serve the community. And here's one way we're going to do it. Two weeks after Easter, it's something called the Great Serve, and everybody in church is going to show up here at 8.30. I know that's early, but you're going to practice showing up at 8.30 
remember? And we're going to sing one song, we're going to take communion, we're going to pray, and then we're going to go do service projects all morning. We're just going to leave. We're going to go paint lines in schools, and we're going to go mow yards, or maybe we'll have Pack Shack come here, and we'll fill freezer dry bags, uh, heat seal them, and then give them to poor, disenfranchised, or mission uh, trip people so that they can get good, nutritious, healthy meals. All they have to do is boil some water and add it to it, because there are hungry people out there, so let's go feed them. We got to come up with service projects, and I don't know what all service projects to do, because when I think of service, you know what I normally think of? Teaching, because I'm a teacher. Like, I love to teach. And so when I think of service, I always think of teaching. But we need more help. We need help in other areas. So if you can think of a good service project that can show the community our love for them, I want you to come up with that idea and let me know before April 18th, even well before that, so we can set it up, so that we can send a small group of people to go knock that out. And then you know what we're going to do afterwards? We're going to come back here for a big old party. We're going to come back here at noon for a big old party, and we're going to have food trucks or other food stuff, and it's going to be safe, and it's going to be fun, and we're going to have a party, and we're going to celebrate all the service that we've done and how we were blessed by serving the community. And it's going to be great because we have to serve the community, not just the church. Sometimes we have to serve in the areas we love, and sometimes we have to serve in the areas we're unsure about. I remember serving one time. uh, My wife, who was serving as the children's minister of a church, said, hey, I can't find anybody to teach fourth and fifth grade on Wednesday night. And jokingly, I said, I'll do it, knowing there's no way she would want me, uh, the guy who loves to teach adults, to teach little kids. And she said, "Um, okay. I was like, what? She said, yes. I just snookered myself into service. I didn't want to do that. I was just trying to be nice. I had no intention of actually teaching. Fourth and fifth graders don't get my jokes. Fourth and fifth graders don't care about me being Dr. Kirshner. Fourth and fifth graders don't care about master's degrees. Fourth and fifth, a lot of my stuff goes right over their head. And so she's like, all right, yep, you get to do fourth and fifth grade Wednesday night. So I recruited my best friend Clay to come help me. And I said, let's go do this. And for two years, we taught fourth and fifth graders, and we had to learn how to take the high-level stuff and explain it so a fourth and fifth grader could get it, and it was the best thing for me. I loved it. And for two years, we served in that ministry, and I thought, well, this is great. And then you know what? We also got to teach all the, sir, all the adults who would show up, and they got to learn all about it. And after two years, more people understood the Trinity better than they would have otherwise in that church. Serve! Serve! In the areas you love and in areas you might not know you love yet. God values my service, so I will embrace my service. What does it mean to embrace my service? It means to embrace your purpose. Everybody's got a general purpose. And the general purpose is to bring glory to God by knowing God and making God known. Everybody should be doing that. But then each one of us has a specific purpose. Mine is to inspire people to think correctly and creatively about God stuff because it goes head, heart, hands. And so I like to start with the uh, first, head. If I can get you to think correctly and creatively about God stuff, it's going to be so much easier when I preach a sermon all about serve. So if I've done my job before now, we're going to have a lot of people signing up to serve. I love it. It's going to be great. But we also have to be wholehearted. That's what it means to embrace your service. Be wholehearted. I know that because Ephesians 6, 7 says, serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Now, sometimes I don't want to serve people. That's okay, serve the Lord. Sometimes I don't want to serve in certain ways. I remember it was VBS one year, and I did not want to serve in a particular way. But my wife said, I need you to be memory man. And I said, no, I don't do fake superheroes. 
All superheroes are fake, by the way. But I don't do non-actual superheroes. And so they wanted me to dress up as Memory Man. They wanted me to wear a purple cape, a domino mask, and a big MM on my chest. And I said, no, I put an S on my chest, not MM. And, and they said, no, we really need you to serve. You're Memory Man because you've got memory like Velcro and you can make sure those kids have the memory verse down. You don't even need to look at the sheet. You can hear a kid tell you, oh, and by the way, we also want you to carry your lightsaber. And I said, that's it. No, you're not going to cross superheroes in Star Wars. I'll not have it. I put my foot down. And then they said, why don't you just pray about this? We really need you to be Memory Man. And then for five nights in a row, I was Memory Man. And I loved it. I loved it. You don't wear a cape with a lightsaber. A cloak, okay, but not a cape. You don't mix these things. And I wasn't going to do it, because you may or may not know this about me, but I really like Superman, and he's the only fictional character I like to dress up as. Um, I actually have a Superman suit, and if I ever lose weight, I'll show it to you. <laughs> Memory man. And it was an awesome VBS. It was great. I served, and I didn't want to serve, but I wasn't serving those little kids. I was serving the Lord. But by the end of it, I was serving those little kids, too. Man, I was loving it. And they were hugging me and hanging out with me. And I was encouraging them to memorize scripture. I still do that with big kids today in my Wednesday night group. And man, oh man, is it awesome. You know why we got to serve? Because everybody's got to do their part. 1 Corinthians 12, 5 and 6 says, There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Just serve. Just serve. And if you want to embrace your service, if you're a left big toe, quit trying to be a right eyeball. And if you're a right eyeball, quit trying to be a tongue. And if you're the tongue, quit trying to be an elbow. And if you're an elbow, quit trying to be a foot. Do the service you were called to do because we're all doing it together. We're all doing it for the Lord. We're all doing it for God. And we're all going in the same direction. So every part of the body needs to grow up in maturity, in unity, and Christ-likeness. And that's why Jesus established leadership in the church so that we could get to work. So here's how you gotta get to work. God values your service. He values my service. So I will render my service, expand my service, and embrace my service. You're going to fill out the card, you're going to go to the app, you're going to drop it off at the hub or in the back, and you're going to serve, because that's what God has called us to. Am I right? If I am, I want you to stand up with me, and if um, you're not sure I'm right, just stay seated, that's fine, and I'll come around and I'll pray with you, and uh, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get going about this service stuff. So, let's all pray together.